I had a dream last night, and it was just such a weird dream. It was about, like, uh, a role model, but the role model was, like, this cartoon character that was come down from heaven to, like, tell me all of these things, and I was just so impressed, and then I woke up. A what cartoon character. <laughs> this is what happens in dreams. Like, like I've never seen a cartoon in my dream, ever. <laughs> this is how Jesus connects with me. He's like, I gotta get a snake. I know, I have to give you something you can relate to. <laughs> Cartoons. You so dumb. <laughs> SpongeBob, nigga. Swiss Frankie. You're listening to Mempathy Podcast in partnership with V Springs Media, hosted by me, Chael Williams, and my partner. I don't know why he said it like that, but this is Nash Rose. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was funny because I was just thinking, I was like, yo, what is a role model? And then I, I started thinking about when I was younger and like just what, what role model meant to me. Do you, do you have a role model? A or role did you model? have one growing I, up? I mean, I guess... My mom has been my role model in different ways. Right. I'd say. Um, like in what what kind of ways? I mean, you know, when you're a kid, she's like superwoman and she's doing everything and you want to be just like her. And then when you get older, you start to appreciate what she sacrificed and then she becomes that kind of role model. Right. And I, I, for me, it kind of just adjusts as I get older and as she gets older and I realize her experience and just how hard she worked to right. take care of us. So in that way, she's my role model. But I don't actually feel like I have another role model. I think what, my role model kind of changed. Not really. Okay. No, not really. I mean, he passed away a few years ago, but before that, not really. Did, did you guys have a relationship? Mm, not really. Okay. Not too much. Um. Yeah. Typical, I guess. Typical black family. I don't know. <laughs> well, I can't say typical. There are a lot of black families who have both parents, but the typical situation when your pa- your father is not the most active. But what about you? Who was your role model? My role model was the same. It was my mom. Yeah, and it, it was my mom because she just, like you said, she just did so much, and she was there. And my dad was around. And, you know, he got a chance to see me only on summers and not pay child support and all that good shit. So, <laughs> he was living the life. He was living a motherfucking life. And I, I, you know, even in that situation, my mom, she never stressed him out or she never, like, you know, made his life hell. You know what I mean? My mom was the same way. My and, mom never asked for child support from my father. Same. Which I thought was, now I think it's crazy. But. I think it's insane. Yeah. Especially when you're a kid and you have needs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was living on projects. I was like, Dad, all you had to do was send me $50, nigga, it was the projects. <laughs> that was the rent, nigga. <laughs> yeah, interesting, though. So your mom was your role model. Right. But you had your dad around. Yeah. my dad wasn't your role model. My dad I looked up to to an extent because he was cool and he was the dad, you know, and I looked forward to, like, summers with him. Yeah. But I knew my mom was doing so much, and I just, I, you know, my mom was my best friend. You know, we talked all the time, and, and, you know, she she went through it. She was in the goddamn projects. Like, I can't even imagine walking through the projects. <laughs> like, she was well, there raising two kids, you know, yeah. so, so yeah. She yeah, was my, my mom, yeah, with her five kids, she got us out the projects, thankfully. And that's the same thing that I can say with my mom. Like, I that's remember. That's tough. That's a whole different kind of tough. We started very, very low. And I remember every year, like, just, you know. And it was a lot of moving. I moved, like, maybe eight or nine times. Like, we were. We, <laughs> I moved one time because one of her ex-boyfriends was chasing us. And we was in shelters wow. and shit type Jeez. shit. Yeah, so there was a lot of movement. But by the end of my, like, I would say high school, junior year, senior year, high school, 
My mom moved us to the place that I was like, wow, this is this is my dream place. Aww. But I was out of fucking school now. And that's what my, but mom, <laughs> see, moms, they be just doing what they got to do. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Some of them don't, but my mom, she moved us out the project when I was six. We were in like, the projects I used to live in in, in, New, in Newark, New Jersey was oh, called damn. Death Boyden. That Jesus. was the nickname, Death Boyden. It was really Seth Boyden. She got us out of there. I don't know. I don't know the life she grew up in. She grew up in the projects. My older brothers grew up in the projects. And thankfully, me and my younger siblings don't have to know that life. Oh, so, okay. So, what you were the youngest or? I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Oh, so you were what my little brother experienced. My little brother, like, he, this nigga be acting like he a thug and he a gangster. I'm like, nigga, you didn't live <laughs> in the suburbs. You know what I mean? You <laughs> lived with big-ass houses and shit around <laughs> yeah. us. So fucking schools that got, like, a baseball team and a soccer yeah. team and a fucking track. Like, nigga, That's exactly my nigga. life. Like, I got to grow up in a five-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bathroom house with an attic and a basement, a backyard, and a driveway. <laughs> I hate you, nigga. I hate you. <laughs> but that's what my mom did. Like, she broke the stereotype. She broke the root. She broke the cycle. So that's that's another reason why she remained my role model. Almost like she made it to the NBA and shit. You got out, nigga. And she started her own business. <laughs> you got out, nigga. She got out. Yeah, that's just the same. So my mom has always been, uh, you know, that person for me. But I, again, I appreciated my dad, and I appreciated their story. They both had me young. Like my mom was seventeen, my dad was sixteen. So it's like, how how much can I blame them? I know when you have kids, you got to step your game up. But it's right. like, how much can I blame him for not being a great, you know? He's a great dad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's older. Yeah, you know, he's a great granddad. <laughs> got it out of the system. So, his... like, but what about what about your relationship with your dad made you feel like he wasn't your role model? Because he ain't want to do shit with me. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the nigga used to tell women like that I was his little nephew and shit. He oh, didn't. He's like, yo, he's like, yo, bitches can't know that I'm, you know, I got a fucking five foot ten oh, yeah, son. He was like a teenager. Yeah. Oh shit! So he's like, I can't know. Let them know. I got like five ten. You like you fucking grown ass man. I can't tell him you're my son. Like yo, it's my little, it's my little cousin. How old were you when he was doing that? Like twenty. Like 20 he was like twenty six, <laughs> twenty seven. He just wanted. He he should have accepted it by then. <laughs> he didn't. Oh I was in fucking DC. I that nigga did not accept it at all. He was like, I. You Wait, can't where was your me. dad living? He's in Philly. And you were in DC with your. I mom. was in DC with my mom. Oh, so you yeah, you were his cousin coming to visit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, my oh, little, my little cousin. cousin for the summer and shit. You know, oh my God. so that part, like, I would want to go to Philly to hang with my dad, to play ball with my dad, do all yeah. these things. And he was so concerned with just chasing women at that time. Mm. You know what I mean? He's in his prime, right? He's in prime years right there. <laughs> yeah. 26, 27. He's in his LeBron championship years and shit. I know, he's not even 30. Yeah. Sure. So that's why, like, as an adult, I could sit back and I could be like, you know, wow, you know, that's a lot. Because I couldn't imagine having a kid now. I'm 34, yeah. so 16, 17, 18, 19. I I can't even think about those years. Yeah, but I also, in the same breath, felt it. So it was like, all right, you can't be my role model, though, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> your your little self, like I'll do this for you, but just know, yeah. you are not my role model. Yeah. So so I I can say that you know they became many role models. So when I would go to Philly, I would stay, you know, I was supposed to stay with my dad and he would drop me off at random women houses. But luckily, what? they would never, you know, I never got touched or anything. Like random women. Random women that he was dating. So if he was dating you right now, I'll <laughs> I'd be babysitting you. You'll be babysitting me. Oh, shit. And then I'll come back next summer like, hey, where's Nash? And he'd be like, nigga, Nash? 
It's like, nigga, Nash is Jessica this year. <laughs> You're going to stay with Jessica <laughs> while I go find Natalie. <laughs> you stay know what I mean? And it would be like that. And I would be like moving from one to one. They'd always treat me well. They'd let me play video games, ice cream, all that type of shit. Aww. So I don't, you know. They became like my mini role models there because it was just like, yo, this person's taking care of me. This person making sure I'm good. Like my dad had Everybody money. Everybody but your dad. But that's risky and and really irresponsible. In Completely. This part because I mean, you can only trust a person but so much. They could have abused you either physically or sexually, which is very common. Mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel? Were you nervous to stay with them, or were you just nah. used to it after a certain point? No, nah, I think I wanted to sleep with most of them. You wanted to sleep. How <laughs> wait? How old were you? <laughs> like, Ten or nine. Or I was something. nine years old, and I definitely wanted to have sex with these grown ass women. Fine ass woman. Hey, but it could be the reason when I did hit a certain age. When I hit like maybe fifteen, sixteen, I was I was elite compared to all my friends. They were all having sex already, right? At fifteen. Fifteen. Wow. First off, twelve, thirteen. Wow. That's when they were fucking. Wow. But when I did start having sex, I had a thing for older women. Right. I mean, until like last year. <laughs> it's like my whole life I've in his lo- 30s now <laughs> <laughs> my whole life I've loved older women and it, it might be because of like just that relationship that I had with my dad's like side girls which were constantly changing so you think that kind of affected you 100% so you you it's a safe to say you had like crushes on these women while you, they were watching you yeah I've even reached out to one of them recently. What? Yeah, I reached out to her because we're Facebook friends. Shut up. No, well, my Facebook is closed. Don't tell now, me y'all but. flirting. No, we were flirting. What? Yeah, but she that, was. That is so. That is so <laughs> weird. So, so terrible. But here's the thing: she was like the youngest girl my dad ever dated. She was like 19 or 20, and he was like 24. Your dad's not like sounding. You're right. He's not a role model. He's not a role model. <laughs> <laughs> he's not sounding too hot right now. This was now. his young girl. He used to call her that. Yo, that's my young girl. You know, he oh had God. his money girl, his young girl, his white girl, his his uh, African. Your dad must have been good looking. That's the thing. I don't think he is. So what? what is it? <laughs> I think it was a combination of swag, money. My dad was always a boss. Always. You know, I, I always remember him having nice cars, nice trucks, nice, nice. nice chains, nice jewelry. Nice shit that he would never give me, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, let me get this ring. Uh. Like, no, you're my cousin. Shut up. Don't call me dad. I told you about calling me dad. <laughs> you know, so he would leave me. Y'all are on a first name basis. <laughs> we still are. I call that nigga Dwight and he calls me. Oh, shit, I said his name. Well, everybody knows I got a dad. Whatever. I, I said, everybody knows I have a dad. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, guys. But I know I, you're I like, how the hell did I get here, right? He's a great dad now. You, know? <laughs> I know, you said that. <laughs> we, we, we you dropped his name. Now we, you're like, we, but he's great. We, I love him. He's amazing. No, because he's just like, in terms of like what he's doing for my my um, my um niece, you know, he's taking her all over, around the world and all this shit. And I was oh, like, nigga, nice. you wouldn't even take me past Philly, nigga. <laughs> that was your first. I'm the one on your arm, nigga. He did not only did he not take you past Philly, he didn't even spend time with you. He didn't there. spend time with me. <laughs> the nigga would just leave me and I'm like, you with this with your fucking with my niece all day. She hanging out with you and y'all fucking in pools and exotic he's past locations. His prime. I know, it's his prime is over. He's over. He's like he's like, I've I've ran through so many women. He definitely did. I'm over it. He definitely did. How do you feel like that affected you though? You said that as an adult you you're, besides, like, trying to holler at the women who used to babysit you. <laughs> Did you actually, were you actually successful with any of them? Don't tell me. I don't want to no. judge you. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Zero percent. <laughs> Zero percent. Um, yeah, no. Uh, and the, the girl that I did reach out to, she was 
to me, like my favorite out of all the girls he ever dated. And she yeah. was the youngest one, so it was just like on some yeah, hey, closer, yeah. How are you? type shit. It wasn't like so trying to hop. She's young enough to be your girlfriend. I could I could probably get that though. You probably shouldn't though. <laughs> I as would not. Just, <laughs> as your friend, I just want to let you know. <laughs> I'm gonna feel even sadder inside. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna hurt you <laughs> down the line. So he would leave me with these people, but he would also leave me with my cousins in Philadelphia. And my cousins were kind of role models because they were older. Well now were these male or female? Male. So okay, this, so you had you had your mom as role models, and you were pulling a role model situation out of the women he was leaving you with, right? And now there's your male cousins. Were they my, role models for you? They were role models because they were cool and they were older, you know. And I was like, and you wanted to be like them, kinda, because they were gang, like they were gang gang, gang gang, <laughs> gang gang. They were in a, what part of Philly was this? North, oh. North and Oxford Street. Jesus Christ! Which my dad told me you yesterday. were from the most, you were from the the like the most gangster part of DC. Yeah. And the most gangster part of Philly? Yep. Jeez. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> the shit we did for fun was crazy. Through. Crazy. But, you know, he would leave me there because my grandmother lived there. And he just told me, like, maybe a day or two ago how much the house used to be worth that they used to have over there. The house was worth 14000 Okay. Was that a lot back then? I mean, I mean it was worth 14000 he said, a couple of years ago. And then Temple or somebody bought all of that. Wow. You know what I mean? You know how they do. Big yeah. money. We'll just buy these. a college Hooding, yeah. hooding spots and then turn into a college town. So I would go and see my cousins and shit. And they were always like the ones that would show me how to be like, because in DC I was a punk. And in DC I also was like an athlete. So no one really fucked with me. The, the, the cool thing about like growing up in the projects is like when you play sports, like the people in the projects respect that. Cause they're yeah. like, this is the one asset that we might have. If you're like in sports or entertainment, right? You know what I mean? I don't even think entertainment because they're still it smoking. Sports. People, it's sports. even in movies. I mean, I, I can't relate, so I have to go to movies. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's sports. It's, it's not really rapping and shit like that because no one, no one, everyone thinks they're gonna be a rapper in the hood. Yeah. So that's no true. one's respecting you for your rap game unless you get out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this nigga was. Yeah. I heard it's like the sports kid or like the funny dude. Exactly. I, I wouldn't even say the funny dude because you still get your ass whooped often being a funny dude. <laughs> I would say. But you were like, you're saying you're completely sanctioned. If as, you're sports. Okay. And like, athlete. especially if you play basketball. Because the thing that the thugs would do, like the neighborhood top thugs would come to your basketball games. Mm. They come to your football games. They tell you not to be in the streets mm. when you're trying to get right. a couple of dollars. They'd be like, nigga, get your stupid ass out the street. That's interesting. They will stop you and be like, nigga, get your stupid ass out the street. But if you're not doing those things and you're in the streets, they'll, they'll allow you that. to work. You know what I <laughs> mean? <laughs> they'll let you kill somebody. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, this is 12 year old. He can do it. Well, now you work for me. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> So when I went to D.C., when I went to Philadelphia, it was different because Philadelphia was really hood and I was a nobody unknown. I had to change my mm. name and everything in Philly. You had to change your name? Yeah, I changed my name. No one knows me by Cheo in Philadelphia. All my family, what they by? Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name that so I was like. So you picked the name of the character that got killed in Boys in the Hood. Got you. Oh, yeah, but this was before. <laughs> I think this is maybe a little. Yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> you know what I think about this? Was you're the athlete. I get what you were going Ricky for. was just such a sexy name to me. I was just like, yo, I'm a sexy dude, Ricky. That's Ricky. what I'm going to call so I would Ricky Suave. And that's what they would call it. Like, the nickname became Ricky Suave, Ricky, Pretty Ricky. It became a cool Aww. thing, right? And I was a little older. I think I was telling people I was 13 and Ricky. I was 10. <laughs> You were just a whole new person. You're like, not only am I Ricky, but I'm now 13. Yeah. And my dad would always be like, he'd pull up and be like, what they call you, nigga? Ricky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then I'd be around other family members. He'd be like, yo, this bitch ass nigga want to be called Ricky. So don't call him Cheo no more. Oh, no. Yeah, I know Ricky died in Boys in the Hood. <laughs> 
So it would be crazy because then I would hang with my cousins and I would I would look at them as like, okay, these are like, they're almost men. You know, they're yeah. all handling their business. They're all out here. They're, people respect them. People don't talk shit to them. People, yeah. people don't, don't do any of the shit that I see people do to niggas in D.C. to them. Like, they were that respect. And then they had girls. And it was, like, when I would hang with them, it would be fun. But there was one thing <laughs> that happened where one of my, um, so one of the things in Philadelphia they used to do when you were, like, 15, 16, is kids used to get, like, blowjobs from crackheads, right? What? Yeah, you was, don't just casually be like, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? No, what? <laughs> yeah. It was like a thing. It was like a, you would get a, a blowjob from a crackhead to prove you're a man now. What? So the 15, 16-year-olds would take, like, the 11, 12, 10-year-olds to get a blowjob by a crackhead. First of all, there was so Jesus. much... There was so much hanging out with crackheads and all that. Oh Not like gosh. on some like, hey, we're hanging out. But like you'd be hanging in the same fucking house that they're sleeping in. Like you'd be climbing up the walls and shit. And you'd see a crackhead crazy. in the back room. And then there was a lot of fucking happening with crackheads and shit, I would imagine. But the blowjob thing was something that I remember one day my cousin was like, yo, you about to be a man, yo. We about to get you that blowjob. You about to do it. So he takes me to this house. Oh, my goodness. I'm scared to fucking death. Puts me in this room. There's this crackhead in the room. She's like, all right, pull it out. So I tell her, I'm like, yo, could you just, can you just, you know, tell my cousin you did it? And, you know, you still get paid? And she's like, it don't mean none to me. I'm still going to get my money. I'm like, all right. So we sit in the oh room. Oh, my God. So you you <laughs> you you talked a crackhead into not sucking your dick. Yeah. Cool. Got yeah. it. Oh, hey, my God. And yo, you're 10 was, years old. I was like 10, yeah. But saying you're 13. Yeah. This is crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they thought I was 13. The life of Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Ricky Suave. So she, um, so when we left the house, my cousin was like, yo, man, you did it, cuz. You know what I mean? You a man now, whatever, right? And when I remember, I don't even remember them giving me a condom or nothing. So if I was going to get a blowjob and I didn't even get a condom, I, I can't even imagine that as an adult this now. This so, so oh my God. that night, my dad randomly, first of all, my dad never used to pick me up. I used to always have to get one of his girls to come pick me up because he's like, I ain't going to know if oh I might get Your dad is a character. <laughs> so, so he picked me up randomly and took me to D.C. that night, right? Wow. Like two days later, my cousin called me and he was like, yo, man, I just fucked up what you did. I was like, what'd I do? He's like, you ain't get the blowjob. I talked to the crackhead. And I was like, she snitched on me? He's like, yeah. And don't think She's when- a crackhead. What do you expect? Her to have loyalty <laughs> to you? I'm the one paying her. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so he goes, so he's like, next time you come up here, you getting that, right? Crazy. My cousin wound up going to jail like maybe a month or two after that for like wow. four years. Wow. So you, that was probably the only time you were like, yes. <laughs> yes. My cousin. I'm so pro-systemic racism. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. saved me from a crackhead blowjob. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. That is so incredibly dangerous because she could have Everything. diseases. Everything. And you're like 10 years old. Like 10. Getting chlamydia. I can't even imagine like all the kids, they all got that. I can't even imagine. Were any of them happy about that? First off, none of those kids were happy in general. <laughs> the neighborhood was fucking crazy. Like, first of all, let's define happiness, Nash. <laughs> you know, <laughs> throwing around a big word there. I think one of my closest friends was uh, he, his mom and dad were both crackheads, and he had a whole house that was the nastiest house you could ever fucking walk in. That is so sad. It was disgusting. Wait a second. Before we go to that, this is a lot. <laughs> this is the reality of a lot of people, though. A lot of, which a lot is of like violence. it's heavy and it's and it's sad. I can't get past the whole, like, what, what this is <laughs> how you become a man. You get your dick sucked by a, a crackhead. That's so. All right. So it kind of reminds me of what my mom used to say. Like, she used to always be so nervous about 
like, she always wanted her children to have family as friends. Right. She said, because when you have, when you, <laughs> when you leave your children to rely on friendships of strange people, especially if you don't know who their parents are and you don't know how they're brought up, you don't know what your child is being exposed to. You really don't. You don't That's know how it's changing their life. She's always been like, a, she like she likes us to have friends, but like when we were younger, like thankfully our friends, each of my siblings had a, for the most part, a best friend that was a cousin because my aunt also had children and my uncle had children the same age as all of us. Right. So we got the experience that my mom used to always express her gratitude for that because she went through like, you got to go through a lot as a child trying to have friends and figure out like, where do you fit in and what you're willing to do to fit in? And you don't know particularly what's wrong. Right. I guess kind of in that instance you did. So you, t- you did, you talked the crackhead out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but the other kids probably didn't. Yeah. They're probably just like, well, probably this- <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they did it. Right. <laughs> and they're like, well, this is what's going to make me a man. This That's is what, what the he adults, said. because yeah. remember most of these kids didn't have adult figures that were, you know, worth anything. And so these are, are the kind of people that a lot of young black boys and women, but we're talking about men in this context, right? Are 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 molding, thinking, are role models. Yeah, and it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. After a while, or even during it, you probably know it doesn't feel good. Yeah, I mean, when I was going through it, probably didn't feel or know, you know, because it was like you said, you're trying to figure out who you really match with. You're trying to figure out who you are. Like in Philadelphia, I was a different person. So it was like, all right, if I'm going to be this different person, I need to now have this different swag. I need to get into a fight. I got into my first fight. You know, yeah, I got into my first fight. Within maybe a week of that, I got into my second fight. Being in Philly? Yeah, in Philadelphia. And do you think, like, had your father been more impactful in your life you would even be in that situation because he's the one that brought you to them anyway yeah no definitely not if my dad was more in my life i probably would have focused on any other thing you know what i mean he probably would have exposed me to any other thing like i was i was going to north philly and first off so my grandmother lived in north philly and cousins lived in north philly right but then there were a lot of friends that i had in north philly some of my closest friends back then you know they were all in North Philly they weren't in the other spots that my dad lived in yeah you know and when you look at these kids first off they didn't have role models so for us being like 9 10 11 our role models were the 16 17 year old kids right it wasn't a, a grown man because like I said my friend who both parents were crackheads you know we were hanging out at his house all the time wow. you know where were my other options you know it was yeah. like my cousins who were living in the same hood that the crackhead family because it was like that it was like people were selling drugs you know and then there were people who were doing drugs Mm. and it was like every house was like that it was like drugs doing it selling doing it selling doing it there has to be at this point in the midst of all that were the desire to like have money and be above that kicks in hell yeah you start to glamorize like not living in this poor condition yeah and and I think that's why a lot of young boys start selling drugs or trying to be like the drug dealers because they, they kind of look like they're above that. They yeah. have money. They can go places. They can buy things that represent the opposite of living in a crack house. Right. And they are above that to you. Yeah, to you. You know what I mean? Even though they're in this never-ending cycle of it's going to come to an end, either death or jail. Or, yeah, at some point. Or losing it all and starting over. Yeah, because they're also living right next to you, so it's not like you're. Yeah. They're in a whole different part of town. They're living right next to you, but you yeah. see that he could pull up with you know a nice car. Or, it seems attainable more. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. that's probably why, you know, not ha- – wow, that's that's really – it's a little mind-blowing for me to really think about what's going on. Because, I, I, like I said, I got to grow up in the suburbs, thankfully. Not really like the suburbs, but not the hood. Right. Not very – not at all the hood. Right. But I hear a lot of stories from men, and I'm surprised to hear this is your story, honestly. Yeah, yeah I got – my story's crazy. <laughs> it's like – it's mind-blowing. But it makes me wonder, like, this is probably – how many people this got this story? Yeah. An experience either like this or similar and their own variation that's making people kind of obsessed with celebrity culture even more. Yeah, because it's the thing that looks, it looks like you're out. Yeah, it looks it's like the way out. Like if I become the most successful rapper. Yeah. I don't have to get my dick sucked by a crackhead anymore. <laughs> Not to make it funny. I can't help but turn everything to a joke. But you know what I mean. You might be broke still though. <laughs> you might be, but at least you feel, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that that's the the interesting dilemma that so many black men, especially the ones that grew up in the projects, like you don't have that that dad figure that's doing the right thing or, or bringing you to the right places. Because when you look at like a Serena Williams or a Venus Williams, it was like, y'all, y'all motherfucking dad had y'all at the tennis court early in, in the Compton, morning. In <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he and, was on a whole different level. And, and just think about that. He was still in Compton. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're able to produce greatness if you at least put some type of energy into it. And if you don't, then you might produce a crazy man. You know, all of those experiences, all those people, you know, all of them have fucked up stories. The girl that I was dating during that time, her name was Ashley. Everyone used to call her the neighborhood hoe. You know what I mean? But we were yeah. dating. You yeah. know, and when she was, you, were dating. you know what I mean? You were dating the neighborhood. Home. Yeah. And everybody used to let me know, like, yo, I hate that. I slid up in that side. Yo, Ashley's a hoe, but yo, you're a good dude. How did you feel? You said everybody used to let me know. Yeah, you're like, everybody. I don't care. I love Ashley. <laughs> My cousin I to this her. day still brings up Ashley. That's but so like, even if, Ashley. Yeah, even if you look at Ashley's story, she, um, her, her dad got murdered, like really bad in front of her. You know what I mean? Like right in front of the building. You know what I mean? So she got a chance to see him get murdered, you know? And then her mom had to now raise, like, five kids, you know? No wonder she was... sad. And then, so she's going through that and being called the neighborhood hoe. Being called neighborhood hoe by everybody. You know what I mean? And it it was surprising to her that I was dating her. She was just like, everyone knows me as a hoe, but I'm not. Like, I only slept with one guy once, and everyone's calling me a hoe. But you know how it is in the hood. You see with the wrong guy, he'll everybody calling you a hoe. <laughs> she a hoe. He's just mad because she doesn't want him anymore. You know what I mean? So, and then it was like, you know, my best friends, which parents were crackheads, and then my cousins, they didn't have dad figures, you know, and the the only success that I remember them seeing was my dad pull up. You know, that was success. And then and this then nigga's- And your dad wasn't even a role model to you. You know what I mean? Because he's just thinking about women the whole time. And But that's pro- he's probably that way. Because of whoever his, his lack, of, lack of role model was. Yep. A, lo- a lot of young black boys do not have role models. Yeah. And so they start relying on their friends. And I wonder if that's why, like, I notice like a lot of black men, I don't know if it's all men, but from my experience, I would say black men right. have these like cult-like friendships with their, fr- like, yeah. like this reliance on their friends. Yeah. They need their approval for everything. Yeah, even especially girlfriend dating. Decisions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like it becomes like even my even my like my younger brother. My father wasn't around, right? But the friendships that he had, like since he was a kid, he still has, and they really rely on each other. And I wonder if that's related because mm. you didn't have essentially your friends become your 
role models in a way. Because if, if you you're going to them for approval and decisions and advice, that's kind of like a role model. You're going to them for all of it. I mean, you're going to them when things go wrong, when things go right. I mean, these are the people that are here on the front line with you, you know, especially when you're from where I'm from. So then I go back to D.C. and it's like, you know, my mom was doing her thing. But but do you feel like that affects your friendships at all and how you I think rely my, on them? I think my dad's relationship with me affects my friendships because I'm I'm kind of like that now where it's like I don't have long friendships. Like my friends that that I had when I was younger, most of them were not friends or they're dead. You know what I mean? So, oh. so my best friend died, you know, when I was like 20, 24, cause we just went to college together, like 24, 25, yeah. you know, he got killed randomly. No one knows how, you know That's what I mean? Crazy. And that was my like super best friend, you know? Yeah. And then I have, I, I mean, I still have one of my good friends, but everyone else has just been like season. So how does that like, make you feel do you have like attachment issues commitment yeah. issues i have commitment issues i have attachment issues i'm i'm seeing them now and i'm understanding them now i didn't understand them and i didn't i didn't get it because i always was like i'm in my 20s yeah you know what I mean? i'm in my 20s i'm just having fun yeah uh, i don't want to settle yeah. you know and now that i'm 34 and i'm like what is my problem with settling mm. like where how perfect do I think this world needs to be in order for me to just settle the fuck down? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you realize it's not about the world. Yeah. And then I also realized that it took my dad until he was like 40 to like sit the fuck down. Wow. You know what I mean? My whole life it was a rush of this is new. This is new. This is new. This yeah, is new. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were all beautiful. All of them. Kind of sounds like what you were saying your dad was doing. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. And and that's where not like crazy but interesting. That would tie into commitment issues as well. Yeah. Let's, Never checked let's, on let's, me. Let's dive into like your present day. Like you have a lot of examples of your childhood being like well, role modelist. Right. And flaky experiences. Yeah. And you said you, you find yourself repeating your dad's cycle with women, like looking for the thrill of something new. Yeah. Not even me looking for the thrill. I was saying that's what he me looking for perfect. Perfect, yeah. You know what I mean? Not the thrill, because the thrill does nothing for me anymore. Yeah. You know, in my 20s, hell yeah. Yeah, it was but like all in your 20s, you were, you were repeating the cycle he was in in his 20s. 100%. And Maybe you're at the point that he was at at this age. When I talked to him, like, a few days ago, he said around 36 is when he, so, and I was like, did you, did you, you know, dick stop getting hard or something? Because <laughs> I was like, what? You're 36, that's such a specific number. <laughs> You know, he's like, I will never forget. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but yeah. So I do feel that now there's so many question marks and there's so much like you're going to leave me or, you know, maybe you you should leave me or I'm I'm not right. So just leave me. Stop fucking stressing me out. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I I would imagine it's probably from when did those feelings kick in? Did they kick in like in the beginning of your relationships or before or after a certain time? After a certain time. It's usually it's usually when it's like we've been talking for a while now and it's like, all right, it's time to commit completely, 100%. Yeah, and then you won't. It's not that I won't. It's just like that's when I. It gets scary. Scary. Interesting. I've never told anyone that. Is this a fucking therapy session right now? We're giving you some <laughs> empathy here. 
It's a safe space. We're discovering our feelings. Don't make me fucking cry, okay? And hopefully somebody's <laughs> listening right now and they're like, hey, me fucking too. Me yeah. too. I, like, it, just your experiences are, like, blowing my mind. And I know people have all kinds of... Because when you're growing up in the projects, there's, there are no rules. Right. I mean... And then oh, there's, there's emphasis. And there's also a lot of, like, there's really not a lot of, like, chaperoning either. Yeah. <laughs> like, parents aren't really watching their children. I don't know what that dynam- dynamic is. Yeah. But it's common for kids to just kind of be in their own or doing all kinds of things. Kids are getting accidentally killed by playing in construction sites. It's, it's like everybody's pr- has their own version of their story that you're telling, and it's just like we need to start going back. Well, one, we, need, we should all be taking therapy. Right. But in the meantime, we got to be more introspective or start to be introspective and think about – these moments as a child because they really are defining how we're handling our relationships today right. and the things that we're valuing. Right. And then also just knowing that you have all of these people in this neighborhood, this like confined, like almost like, almost like you're in jail. Like this whole neighborhood is like blocked off, especially if you're in a hood. It's like one prison. You know what I mean? Like your projects is that one cell block. Exactly. <laughs> and you get into it with other cell blocks from time to time too. <laughs> and then other niggas come in and rob people in your cell block. Yeah. You know, so it's just like all this energy. But for kids, there's not too much for you to do. Like we had a lot of our fun just just doing mischievous shit because there was nothing else to do. Literally yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. we're playing with like, you know, we're playing baseball in some random place that might hit someone's window. But guess what? That's the only place we can play baseball. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're yeah. hanging in an abandoned building because there's nothing else to do. What's in that abandoned building? Crackheads, needles, motherfuckers. Sometimes I remember one time I was on an abandoned building and we, uh, I kind of fell through the ceiling. You know what I mean? And that's wow. just that that shit can happen. Those any things given are moment. common. You yeah. know what I mean? My mom, my mom told me when she was younger. Um, the projects that she was living in at the time, the elevator would always break right. and the door wouldn't close. And so it was common for like the elevator to come. You have to just jump in and catch it going down, which sounds crazy. What? Yeah. So one time she was looking down the elevator shaft because that's how they would have to see the light, the top, the light at the top of the elevator, see if right. it's coming. She was looking down the elevator shaft and she said, as soon as she pulled her head out, the elevator went by. Ooh. And that split section, second. Ooh. I was like, you were supposed to be here. Yeah. That's crazy. And then I think she said something like the following week, a uh, little girl lost her head the same way. Yeah. And they just closed off the elevator. They never fixed the elevator. Wow. But, like, these are, this is the kind of living conditions that people are living in, like, yeah. and, and worse. Yeah. I was about to say, it's, I mean, that's bad, but the fact that they had an elevator that was working is also, like, because how many. <laughs> Why is it working, though? <laughs> just going when you it wants. jump in. There's uh, no door. All right, here we go. It's like double Dutch. All right, here we go. One, and she's like, two, she said she was, like, 10 or something, like, looking for the light. Just, like. Yeah. But where was, where was my grandmother? It's like, there's no supervision of children in the projects for some reason. The kids are just on their own. Yeah. Which is crazy because a lot of the women, like a lot of the mothers and parents are on welfare, so they are home. Yeah. But then I guess there's the whole drugs and the the cycle. Yeah, because it's it's much deeper than you having a job and not having a job. Because if if you have a job, like for instance, my mom always had a job. She was always in the government, right? But I... Like, there's so many hours in a day and my friends are there, you know? So I just mm-hmm. go hang out with them and yeah. we just get into anything. And then, like you said earlier, like, one friend might be the one that's like, I don't give a fuck, you know? And you're with him and some yeah, shit happened. First yep. time I got jumped, it was because one of my friends tapped some dude's bike and was trying to steal it from him. The dude rolled up the street. And then when I got up the street, it was like 10 kids 
coming after us. And then I got jumped. They ran and jumped in some car. And wow. I, I, got, I, got, I got beat up. So, yeah, that uh, – that that's and that's as simple as it can happen and just who you're with and what they want to get into i remember when i was when we were living in the projects i had to be like five or six or something like that but my mom used to make my older brothers who are nine and seven years older than me um nine and 11 years older than me um she used to make uh them take me everywhere they went and i used to hate it because they they were boys and they just did all kinds of mischievous shit. Like, that's all they did. They used to run through the old folks' home that was nearby the project, knock oh. on the doors and just run yes. up and down the stairs. It's they used exciting. to go to the golf course that was across the way, like, way across in Weekway Park, and they would, like, steal the golf balls and sell them back to the people, and yeah. they'd get chased by the people on the golf course. And I'm, I had to be on their back yeah. while they were running. <laughs> I remember that. I used, to be, I used to hate that. But, yeah, there's nothing else to do. So they were inventing Extra, yeah, they're inventing fun and inventing yeah. activities. Yeah. They were never safe. Yeah. I remember <laughs> we used to throw rocks at ongoing traffic. That's how that good we too. were. That, too. I remember they used to do that, too. That's <laughs> so, so dangerous. So dangerous. I can't even imagine doing some shit like that now. But like when I was a driver, kid. Like, the driver, like, that's so dangerous for the drivers. Yeah. And they, I mean, I remember it would be more than just rocks. It would be sometimes a brick, sometimes, like, just random shit. But there was nothing to do. There was yeah. no baseball field. There was no football. No. There wasn't even a fucking field for people to run and jump in. Yeah. You know, there would be, like, maybe some type of creek, mm-hmm. which would become the place that you got the dirtiest. Yeah. You know? Then it would be, like, a sandbox that they never took care of. Right. There, there might be fucking bees in the sandbox. There would be that slide that burns your skin off in the sun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, get all hot. You remember that? It, they just never gave a fuck about us. So, you know, in, the, in the neighborhood. In and, you know, I, I actually, when I was in high school, I did my graduation project on uh, public housing. And I learned a lot that, you know, all of that is very intentional. Of course, I think a lot of it started with, um, you know, a place to house the Italians and, and um, what's the word? I can't even think of Italian um, when you're not from here. My brain's like, what is it called when you're not from here? You are a... a oh, you're a... Um, damn, now I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know. You're, you're uh, uh, ah, I know what you're talking about. I can't Shit. get the word either. I see immigrant. It. Immigrant. <laughs> How do, in America, do we forget the word immigrant? Yeah, like all the immigrants, they used to house in there, but it shifted over to uh, the blacks. And um, the blacks. I know I said that on purpose, and I actually hate when people say it, the, blacks. the blacks. But like black, black Americans, oh. and a lot of that, even down to the paint that they would use in the walls of projects, was deliberate to keep you in a, a low frequency, in a in, in a in a morbid, almost a morbid state, a depressed state. Mm-hmm. And they didn't invest in them. It was it was really an experiment, which is why they were called the projects. Right. And so it makes sense that. You didn't have anything to do. Yeah. They never intended for you to have anything to do. Yep. And it was completely, if you keep people caged like animals. They'll figure out. They're going to essentially become like animals. Right. And that's really what was happening. And I, I wouldn't say that, you know, black children and the black people were animals, but you were you were caged. And you didn't have any options. And you, it's kind of like getting cabin fever. Yeah. You, get, you go kind of stir crazy. Mm-hmm. And you will find a way to release the tension that's inside, even if that means throwing rocks into oncoming traffic. Exactly. <laughs> Knocking on old people's homes and running. And running. That happened to yeah. my cousin. He, uh, They used to throw rocks at someone's house, or they were throwing rocks at someone's house. He's he's paralyzed to this day. 
and they they threw rocks and then they ran or something and then a guy pulled a shotgun out and shot him. Oh my god! You know, and my cousin to this day is in a wheelchair, and Ugh. and it was him having fun. I think it was Halloween or something when they were doing that. that is so but sad. that's just it's kid shit, and it's nothing for these kids to do. Like yeah. if you play basketball, boom, you got something to do. But yeah. even things like football. I didn't really see places where I could play football until I went to a high school that had football. And that probably highlights why, like, young boys are getting into sports. Yeah. And like earlier, you said you get the pass from the tough guys in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And also, you don't have anything else to do. Nothing. There's always a basketball court, even if it doesn't have, like, an actual... Yeah, rim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Niggas out there There's with the fucking milk carton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll make it. Yeah. Basketball's <laughs> the, the thing crate. that... Yeah. yeah. Basketball's the thing that I always see, no matter what the project is. Even in my worst project I lived in, we had a basketball court. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes NBA players would come and play in it. They would have, and like, tournaments And that's probably part shit. of the conditioning, too. That's probably delivered. That's... I would say that I could see that being deliberate because I've never seen a baseball situation. Football. And then and then you can't like really focus on like math and science because the smart kids get picked on. Yeah. Oh, you get your ass whooped. If you're yeah, smart. yeah. Yeah. You get your ass whooped. My mom used to tell me about that. Like she used to when she first started school, she used to love like math and science and raising her hand and doing her homework. She would get jumped after school for oh you think you're smart like just just and 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 it's not that and I and it's not that other black kids don't want other black kids to be smart, but it's an ins- it brings out an insecurity because they don't feel smart. Yeah. And they don't feel love. Yeah. And they don't want anyone getting love that they don't get. And they're probably also just not, <laughs> like, who's helping them with homework? Like, who's who's helping them to feel confident in these things? And, and are there good role models around that could help to push that confidence? Because in my neighborhood, I don't think none of my friends have good role models. The one person that I remember was kind of a role model was a girl. We used to have a community center, and we had this old white woman, old white woman, like from a fucking movie with like uh, one of those flannel jackets on and shit. And she would <laughs> she would have us come, and she would give us like if we did things right, she would give us a reward. It would be like nacho night on Thursdays and shit like that Ooh, to try to keep us from, from out the street. She was my second time going on a hike. She took the neighborhood on hikes, but she was old and. It was just crazy. I was like, yo, this white woman is in the projects. No one ever robbed her. No one yeah. ever fucked with her. But everybody else was getting fucked with. Mm. Everybody else, you, you know, if you were someone that was getting a couple of dollars, you got robbed. You got pistol whipped. Everyone in the neighborhood heard about it. So it was just like so much toxic energy yeah. that like just grabbing a basketball, you're like, all right, I could, I could zone out. So I she was like focus. the, she was like the old version of Dangerous Minds. Remember That's that what movie? I was thinking. I was trying to figure out the movie. I Dangerous used to Mind. love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She With was. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, she was. And I wish I remember her name, but I remember she, she impacted so many of us. By showing us that, you know, there's more to do because we weren't playing board games or any of that shit. Until and we sometimes went to the all you center. need is one. And yeah. look how old you are now and you still remember that. Oh, I remember her. Those things are so impactful. Yeah. Those things are so impactful. Thankfully, yeah. I got out the hood before. I I mean, I, I, had, I had my first fight at the age of five being in the project. And that was a turning point for my mom. Wow. Because my brother, well, my brother's. Made me do it because they were always trying to make me tougher. Because and, and and I had a conversation just last year with my brother because I wanted to know why were you always like making me fight and, and making me tough. Right. And he was like because I saw how the women fought, fought each other in the hood. Mm-hmm. I saw how vicious they are. Yeah. And I never want you to be in a position you couldn't defend yourself. Wow. So we were at the park and some 12, 10 year old girl pushed my brother, 
and they were trying to teach me a lesson of like sticking up for family. Right. And I went over, they made me go over there and punch her. And uh, after I punched her, I got scared and ran and she pushed me down, face down in the sand, which in the projects is a lot of glass. Yeah. And so my face was all caught up and oh. everything and it was it was horrible. But I survived and I got praise for, you know, sticking up for my brother. But right. that's the culture. It's like, it, that sounds toxic, but that was the way, and it made me sad because like that, that was the way- That was the way my brothers knew how to show me love. Because they didn't want, they knew the jungle I was about to grow up in, and right. they wanted me to be prepared. Yeah, that's wow. So crazy you say that because now you, wow, that's fucked up. But it's that's how it, that's how it is. Because even with my stepsister, like you know, now my mom or my parents, you know, they'd say cry and you know feel emotion or whatever. But we did the same things where. You know, we tried to make her tough. We wanted her to, like, step to a dude because we don't want no dude to ever disrespect her or or, or for her to feel weak or even with, like, women, you know, because you're always tested in the hood. Yeah. So you have to be able to stand for yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to, like, you're in jail. You're going to get yeah. taken advantage of. Every documentary I watch where niggas talk about jail, the ones that that don't stand up for themselves wind up getting raped all the time. Yeah, you know? murdered, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you have to, and when you're in these neighborhoods, you're in a smaller version of that. Like, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to be tough. You know, otherwise people will just take advantage of you, you know? For sure. And you know what's crazy about all of this? Yeah. If children had the right role models, mm-hmm. all, a lot of this could be avoided. 100% agree. That's crazy. That's all I needed. You know, not that... Not that Santa Claus bullshit, mom. <laughs> that nigga did not come through the projects with fucking toys and not giving yourself credit. <laughs> hey, he had to get it off his chest, mama. <laughs> New episodes are released every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every single Wednesday. Every single Wednesday. So, so, so. subscribe. <laughs> I meant to say subscribe. I can't say that word. <laughs> Subscribe. Please follow. Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.